0: Bibles tonight, and we're going to be in the book of James. Uh, James chapter 5 uh, is where we're going to uh, use as our text verse for what we're uh, continuing our Bible study on as far as Christians, our responsibilities one toward another. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't realize there were so many Bible commands in this area uh, until you go through and start uh, looking out uh, or looking for them and figuring out. You know what? We got a great responsibility uh, toward our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. By the way, folks, why should we not? We are a family here on earth. Guess what? We're going to be spending eternity together. Amen. And so uh, we better be figuring this thing out. And so James chapter five, and we're going to read one verse tonight and then we'll get right into it. So if you Find your place, stand with me together uh, for the reading of the Word of God. We're going to look at verse 9. Verse 9. Notice what the Scripture says here. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Let's read it one more time. Grudge not one against another, brethren lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for the opportunity again to uh, be, Lord, here in your house, around your people, singing your praises. What a blessing, Lord, singing Scripture. Lord, just uh, your word's so powerful. Then to put it to music, God, we're thankful for that. And I pray you'd meet with us tonight. Speak to us. Holy Spirit, do what you can do, Lord, and work on our hearts. And we thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, let's get right into this tonight. Um, you know, uh, we 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 hear that word. In fact, uh, it's a word we use uh, k- kind of fairly familiar today, as far as holding a grudge. Maybe you've heard that said before. Well, that's not exactly the exact meaning of what this word means and what it means, but it's similar. Okay, and so uh, that word "grudge" there it simply means to murmur or to grumble, to murmur or to grumble. And the Bible says not to uh, or grudge not or do not. Murmur or grumble against another brethren. Again, who's he talking to here? He's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. Now there's a good motivation on why we should not do that. Notice what the The second part of the verse says, Lest ye be condemned, behold, the judge standeth before the door. By the way, who do you think the judge is he's talking about? You think it's Judge Judy who he's talking about? I can tell you for sure that's not who it is. Amen. Judge Wapner. Anyone remember Judge Wapner? All right. I'm dating myself just a little bit from the 80s there, right? Uh, No. The judge is the judge of everything. Amen. And that's the judge who's going to judge all things one of these days, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And I'll just say this. You know what? His ears are perfect. Hurt. His eyes are looking. He knows the things we say, the things we do, the things we don't do, the things we don't say that we should. He knows it all. Amen? And again, folks, that's the reason as Christians you need to stay in the Bible. It's motivation for behaving properly. Right? Because we're reminded constantly on a daily basis when we come to church to the preaching of the Word of God uh, what God expects from us. And so, again, another command for us here when it comes to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, it's talking about having a critical, negative, judgmental attitude toward one another. Alright. Now, a person usually criticizes individuals. Truth be told, there's, there's the, uh, the motivation behind that is a lot of times envy. And uh, again, folks, you start chasing this through the scripture, and it's pretty amazing how uh, God begins to kind of peel the layers of the onion back a little bit and show us the motivation of why we do certain things. And so let's look at some verses here tonight, and i want to show you, because in the Old Testament, uh, if you look that word grudge up, you don't see it a lot of times in the Bible, but you see another word that's directly related to that word, and that is found a lot in the Bible, and here's that word, murmur. Murmur. Alright. So let's, let's look at that and uh, let's look at a few places tonight. Let's go first of all back in Exodus. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. And uh, one thing you found out about that, those people Israel, God brought out of Egypt, my goodness, they were a mess. And uh, there were times where they had it together, but there was a lot of times they didn't have it together. And God had to take them through that wilderness and teach them so many things to get them ready for the promised land. And in fact, the original group that came out of Egypt didn't end up going to the promised land because of their disobedience. It was their children that finally went in. But notice one of the things we see here uh, in these couple chapters, Exodus 15 16 and 17. Look at verse 24 of Exodus chapter 15. It says this, uh, well, let's back it up to verse 23. And when they came to Mara, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. That's what Mara means, bitter. And the people trusted God and prayed to him for help. Now, what the next verse says? By the way, that's what they should have done. Okay, no, but you know what they did? They murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Now, come on, folks, think about it for a minute. They had just seen God uh, bring the ten plagues upon Egypt. They had just seen God part the Red Sea. They just seen with their very own eyes God decimate their enemies, but yet now they think God can't provide drink for them in the wilderness? You know, sometimes God will do certain things to gauge our reaction, to see what we do, whether we're going to trust in Him, whether we're going to turn to His Word, turn to our faith in Him, or turn to our old stinking human wicked nature, which is exactly what they did, and they begin to murmur. And they murmured, of course, against Moses. And uh, I'm going to tell you something, folks. Uh, uh, God uh, had to deal with that, and you see it all through their life in the wilderness. Look at the next chapter, Exodus chapter 16, verse 2. By the way, guess what? God gave him water. Amen. He took care of him, just like he said he was going to take care of him. Look at verse 2. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Verse 3, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Again, what such an irrational, immature, carnal statement they're making. I mean, come on, really? Well, I thought they were back in Egypt crying because of the hard bondage they were under. But now all of a sudden, God brings them out of that. And just because they don't have the food they think they ought to have. By the way, God was taking care of them. He was providing for them. All of a sudden, now, oh, let's go back to Egypt. And they start again start murmuring against Moses, against Aaron, because of things in their life they didn't think they ought to get. They were looking back. They were being envious of the things that were back in Egypt. Man, what a what a ridiculous um uh, per, uh, uh, place they found themselves in here. Let's look at the next chapter, seventeen chapter seventeen verse three. Again, by the way, God took care of them. Amen. They wanted uh, meat. God gave them meat. He provided man. Uh, literally, man got to eat heaven's food. You can you Imagine what that would have been like. We'll, well, we'll we'll taste it one of these days, right? But man, they literally on earth got to eat, and it, that still wasn't good enough for them. Verse 3 says this, And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of the land of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Again, what's wrong with these people? God's been providing their needs. God's been taking care of them. But you know what? Because it's not exactly when they think it ought to be, and they're not being patient and waiting on the Lord, all of a sudden they begin to murmur. I'm going to tell you, God got fed up with their foolishness. God got fed up with their murmuring. And you know what? Remember the verse we read back there in James? The judge standeth at the door. Well, guess what? He, 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 he busted through that door and brought judgment because of their grudging or their murmuring. We see it again, and I'm not going to take you to every place, because it's basically the same thing. Numbers chapter 14, chapter 16, the people were murmuring. But it's not just, though, the people in Israel in the Old Testament. Go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And you know what? You see this again going on in the New Testament. Luke chapter 5. And I think it interesting here. Who it was that was murmuring. That, that's that's a pretty interesting study when you look at who the people were that were doing it. Look at verse 30. Uh, Matthew, I'm sorry, uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 30. And we see here, surprise, surprise, but their scribes and Pharisees. Ah, oh, isn't that a surprise, right? The scribes and the Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners. They, they were, they were, they were grumbling. They were complaining. You know, basically looking down their high spiritual level down on these disciples. Why do you eat with publicans and sinners? They were murmuring against that. By the way, Jesus piped up. Jesus answering said unto them, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And let me, let me say this, folks. You know who, as Christians, we ought to be out there rubbing elbows with? And by the way, let me just say this. Uh, we're not talking about, you know, our, our close inner um, uh, associations, but we're talking about people who were, we're to be around, we're to be with, we're trying to reach out to, the same people Jesus were, the publicans and the sinners, Amen. Amen. I am mean, listen, folks, I think the old uh, uh, the song that sometimes we may sing at uh, uh, Missions emphasis month, but how can we reach a world we never touch? I mean, come on, as, as nice as it would be to go live up in a cabin in the mountains and never have to mess with people, I mean, sometimes I fantasize about that. I'll be honest with you. Amen? All right? But how could I do anything for God if that was my lifestyle? No, you know what God's called us to do? to be around people, amen, to reach out to them. I was here today, and we, had, of course, uh, on Thursdays, they had the N.A. meeting, and I was here and got to greet some of the guys coming out, and two, uh, three or four of those guys walked by and said, Hey, Pastor, and they gave me a hug. You know, just appreciation for for a place where they can come and and people who love them and care for them and and somebody a, a few months ago, uh, maybe it was Miss Amanda, had had bought some shirts on sale at, at Rural King, and she says, "Hey, give these out." Now I'm gonna tell you, you would have thought I gave those guys a million bucks. I gave them a a two dollars shirt from Rural King. I just big old smiling, "Oh, thank you," and taking off their shirt they had on and putting this one on. You know, oh man, look at this. You know. But no, you know what? Again, I say this often. If Jesus Christ were in Princeton, Indiana, I know where He'd be on Wednesday nights. I know where He'd be at Thursdays at noon. Amen? Listen, folks. uh, Why in the world are are we looking down on that kind of stuff, grumbling, grudging against uh, trying to reach people? Amen? Let's look at another passage here. Look at Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We see here at uh, verse 2. Luke chapter 15, verse 2. Then drew near him all the public and sinners for to hear him. Ha, there's that thing again. (laughs) Amen. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. No, you know what the scribes and Pharisees would rather do? They'd rather sit on their spiritual high horse, fake spiritual high horse, and look their nose down on people and make themselves feel better about who they thought they were because they were appeasing God because they were doing all this. How dare he uh, be with those people? That was their attitude. And they grumbled and they murmured about it. Let me just say this, folks. Amen? And, and, and I want you to understand this. And I think you do understand this. Listen, I'm thankful for the nice facility God gave us. But let me tell you something. We don't have a nice facility. We don't have, you know, uh, and especially when we get in that new building. Amen? Listen, that's not a museum. Okay? And you know what? Guess what we're going to do when we got the room and when we, we can expand? Hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go out in the highways and the hedges and we're going to bring them in. Amen? And you know what that might mean? That might mean some stain on the carpets. By the way, I know a good carpet guy who might be able to take care of that, all right? (laughs) So uh, it might mean, hey, it might mean a little bit of a a hole in the drywall from time to time. Big whooping deal. Now, I'm not saying we're going to trash what God's given us. I'm not saying. I'm not going to say we're going to allow foolishness. But, hey, what's the Bible say? Where no oxen are, the crib are clean. Amen? But much increased by strength of the ox. And we don't have a building so we can, you know, parade around and treat it like a museum. No, it's a place where, hey, sinners and publicans can feel welcomed, amen, and be used for the glory of God to reach people. And we're not going to sit and be grudging about that, because that's not why God gives it to us. Let's look at another place here. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 19. Again, the same theme over and over, all throughout uh, the... Um, all throughout the uh, Scripture here, we see all this grudging going on. Uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 7 says this. So let's back it up so just we can see the context. We're talking about Zacchaeus here. And when Jesus came to the place, verse 5, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. We sing it almost every Sunday morning. Amen. Zacchaeus, that wee little man. Verse 6, and he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when And when they... By the way, who do you think that they was again? Right? Religion, the religious crowd, when they saw it, they all murmured saying that he was gone to be guests with the man that is a sinner. Yep, that was our Savior. Amen? Rubbing elbows with the sinners. By the way, we better be glad that he likes sinners. Amen? Because that sure is all of us. And so, uh, of course, the, the, the religious crowd grumbled against him. But you know what? You're going to find out. That's not all who grudged. Let's go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. I'm going to tell you, if we're not careful, hey, even good Christians can get sucked into this. And we know it's true, because God wouldn't have wrote it about in the Scripture had it were not possible for that to happen. All right? We see here in verse 41. The Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. This was the common people. Okay, listen, even the people Jesus came to reach, this is outside of the religious crowd here, this is just the common people, they begin murmuring about him. Okay, look at verse 42, it tells us why. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I am come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, murmur not among yourselves. And here Jesus was telling them, "Listen to me. You got to accept me if you're going to heaven, amen. Because I'm the only way to get there. Why, why are you complaining about who? Just because you know who I am, you know where I came. Why are you complaining about it, amen? And again, folks, you know what you see? You see even even the uh, just, just regular people. You know they don't want to. They don't want to accept the truth of the gospel as far as the simplicity of it. Who Christ is. Well, it can't be that easy. It can't be like this. It can, well, what about this religion or that religion or or." And listen, you know what? They they begin to grumble. They begin to complain. They begin to grudge about those things. And then, look at this. And this is where I was going here. Uh, Go down to verse 60. Verse 60 of John chapter 6. Notice this. Many therefore of His, who? Disciples. When they had heard this, said, This isn't hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in Himself, here it is, that His disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, doth this offend you? I mean, so listen, folks, no one's exempt from this. if we're not careful, we'll start mumbling, murmuring, grumbling about things. And I'm going to tell you something, folks, it's a big deal to God. Amen? It's a big deal. Let's look at just a couple more passages here, and we'll have time for one more, uh, uh, one more um, uh, uh, thing toward one another tonight. Uh, flip, if you will, to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. I just I want to take a little bit of time here and uh, just show you these things. And I want you to see the verses and you know cuz here here's what we do. All right? And 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 we as Christians sometimes are masters at this. You know, we start uh rating sin, okay? Well, at least I'm not. And then we start naming something that we think's horrible. Okay, and I'm not saying that you know all sin, of course, is horrible to God. All right, and yes, I'm thankful that you know we we can get victory over things. But if we're not careful, we start thinking, well, because I'm not this, then it's okay for me to do this. And let me just say to tell you something, folks, listen to me. Uh, sin is sin in God's eyes. Now, I understand certain sin has different consequence, but it's still uh, the same sin as sin to God. So let's not think to ourselves, well, just because I'm not a drunker in the gutter, it's okay for me to go around and, and you know, here's what we say. We say things like this. Well, uh, I'm, just, I'm just speaking my mind. Well, are we doing that or are we grumbling? Are we mumbling? Amen? Are we grudging and, and disobeying what the Scripture says? James chapter 4, you there? Look at verse 11. James chapter 4, verse 11. Notice what he says. Well, let's back it up to verse 10. And because we'll see what sets the precedence for verse 11. Here's that word, verse 10, none of us like. You ready? Humble. Oh, man, we don't like that, do we? There's just something about that word that grates against our flesh, doesn't it? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. By the way, I always say this when it comes to humility. You're either going to choose to humble yourself, or God will humble you for you. By the way, let me just say this. uh, God's way of humbling is probably a lot more than if we would just humble ourselves. Don't get to the point where God has to humble you. That's not a pleasant uh, experience in life, in your Christian life. So, what's the other option? Humble yourselves. By the way, here's what happens when you begin to humble yourself, all right? All right. Uh, and he shall lift you up, so God then will exalt you. And there's other passages that talk about that. But notice here a result of humility, verse 11. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy Who art thou that judgest another? Again, what are we talking about here? We're talking about this idea of murmuring and grumbling and grudging against one another. Okay, come on, folks, reality check. Not everybody's going to do the things the way we all think they ought to do them, are they? All right, that's just reality, okay? Not everybody's going to, you know, think the same way you think or think the same way I think. Not everybody's going to act the way that maybe they always ought to act all the time, all right? Listen, folks, that's why we as Christians need to have mercy with people and, and uh, love people, have a forgiving spirit, okay, and not mumble and gripe about it. Okay, listen, if you've got a problem with somebody, do what the Bible says to do. Go to that brother. Talk to him about it. Amen? By the way, going to them, talking to them doesn't mean going to talking to everybody else about it. Go to them. Amen? That's Scripture. That's what mature Christians ought to be doing, not grudging against one another. And then let's look at one more place here, and then we're going to move to another one. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. Next chapter over, uh, Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. Okay, here we go. You ready? Look at what it says. Use hospitality one to another. We talked a little bit about that last week as far as greeting one another, Christian hospitality. So use hospitality toward one another. All right, you ready? Without grudging. Okay, all right? That, that means this. You're nice. You're smiling out here, but inside you're harboring stuff, right? You know, you got, it's, it's like shaking someone's hand, but having your other hand behind your back with their fingers crossed, okay? Uh, well, yeah, but yeah, I might be doing this, but this isn't really how I feel about it. That's not what he says to do, amen? He says, use hospitality without grudging. Okay, let it be real, okay? Don't do this, uh, uh, you know, well, I'm going to treat you one way when everybody else is around, but really, inside, this is how I really feel about it, amen? That's what he's trying to deal with about this idea of grudging not one another. All right, now, let's move on. Let's go to the next one here tonight. we got time for it. Let's go to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Let's look at another responsibility we have toward one another. Titus chapter 3. All right. Right after Timothy, you'll find first and second Timothy, you'll find Titus. I don't have an acronym for that one. All right. You'll just have to remember that one. Okay. Titus chapter three. Titus chapter three. And let's uh, begin verse one and then we'll read down through verse three. All right. Here we go. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Here we go, verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Verse four, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward men appeared. So you know what? That was that was the BC life, that was the before Christ life, and what we're looking at here is the responsibility is not to hate one another. Now that ought to go without saying, right? Okay, not hating one another. But man, you know how many uh, spirit the uh, spirit of hatefulness I've seen amongst Christians before. My goodness, it's it's now now again. I, I'm not. Uh, I don't particularly notice anything in our assembly per se. I mean, I can't read your heart. God can, but all that to say, all right, you got to guard against this thing. Amen. And so again, this life here, these sins we talked about were the BC life. By the way, before you're saved, what are you controlled by? Flesh or the spirit? The flesh, that's correct. You do anything the flesh wants to do. The Spirit doesn't even have a say so because He's not even inside of you. So guess what that means? Once we get saved, we get a new resident, don't we? Amen? And by the way, He doesn't just want to be the resident. He wants to be the president. He wants to be in control, and that's where Galatians chapter 5 comes in, all right, talking about, let's just flip over there real quick, we're close, all right, you can use your acronym a little bit tonight, okay, go back a couple pages, G-E-P-C, so Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians chapter 5. All right, I've preached these verses before. I'm not going to uh, belabor them, but I want to show you this to, uh, show this to you. All right, here we go, verse 16. Man, this is a powerful passage of Scripture here. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let's just think common sense here for a minute. So if a Christian is living in the flesh, all right, is he walking in the Spirit, yes or no? No, you're not. Amen. And by the way, I think there's times every Christian has been, here's the term we use, in the flesh, okay, not walking in the Spirit. But here's the problem with not walking in the Spirit. When you walk in the flesh, guess what's going to happen? You're going to produce fruits of the flesh. And by the way, Christians can produce fruits of the flesh. Amen? You know why? Because we have to deal with the flesh. It's it's something we have to deal with constantly on a daily basis. We'll have to deal with it until the day either the trumpet sounds or we close our eyes on this earth and open them up in heaven through death. Flesh is something you've got to deal with. Now, notice what he says here, and these are all the different things about that. Verse 17, Galatians chapter 5. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. They are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things you would. What's that mean? Listen to me. You can't have it both ways. That's what he's saying. You cannot walk in the flesh or walk in the Spirit at the same time. It's impossible. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are these, or are, are the, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. What are they? Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, adultery, witchcraft, uh-oh, hatred. Hmm. By the way, that's some pretty serious sins hatred is mentioned beside, right? Okay, I mean, come on. What's verse 19? Those are all sins of the flesh, sexual sins. Okay, different forms of that. Verse 20, idolatry. That means worshipping other gods. Okay, witchcraft. All right, yes, it means things like the occult. It means things like, you know, worshipping demons and devils. But let me tell you another word that's attached to that is uh, is the word uh, uh, pharmaceuticals. And a lot of times, that you, you read the word witchcraft, when it's translated, it's translated from the word pharmakeia. It's where we get our English word pharmaceutical from. It's talking about, uh, along with occultic type things, is a life in drugs. By the way, do you know how closely related that the occult and the drug life is? Very closely related. Okay? Drugs open the door to demons. Anybody that's ever been deep in the drug life will tell you they've seen things before. They, they've experienced things before. They, they've, uh, you know, they've seen into the spirit world before. Okay? That's, this is some pretty heavy stuff. Okay? But look what's mentioned right next to it. Amen? Right next to witchcraft. Hatred! You think that's an accident? You think God uh, put that there maybe on purpose to show us the severity of this sin? Okay, well, you know, again, we justify things, don't we? Okay, well, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's my heritage. It's because I have Irish blood in me. I have a right to have a temper and, and hold grudges and, and hate people. No, listen, we need to stop making excuses for the sins of the flesh. Amen? And so, hatred is a deep, uh, uh, or, or, or say sin of the flesh. It means to abhor, detest, or dislike greatly. Let me tell you what the danger of hatred is, because hatred is an inward sin, okay? It's something that's in your heart, but the problem is hatred never stays in the heart. It leads to outward sins. It leads to things like deceit, strife, unforgiveness, lying, bitterness, and I'm going to tell you right now, folks, hatred, if you have hatred in your heart towards somebody else, you will not hurt the person you hate as much as you'll hurt yourself. Always, always, always. Hatred, bitterness, those types of sins, always destroy the containers they're in. Always, always, always. So here's what the Bible says. Take, Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. This is Bible study, right? Amen? So guess what we're going to do? We're going to flip through the Bible. I'm not just pulling these things out of my hat. It's in the Word of God. Amen? 1 John chapter 4. Powerful, again, powerful passage of Scripture here. Notice what he says. Let's pick it up in verse 19. Verse 19. 1 John chapter 4. We love Him because He first loved us. By the way, folks, that right there is a whole message in and of itself. Amen? Listen, we don't love God because it's in our heart to love God. We, If, if you love God, it's because He initiated that relationship. Right, we love him because he first loved us. Now, as, as we are commanded to love God, but he's the one that showed the love toward us. And that, why were we yet sinners? Christ died for us. But God commended his love toward us. He showed it. He demonstrated it. He proved it. Amen. And because he loved us, he then gives us the ability when we receive him to love him back. Now, verse twenty, because this is where we're going. If a man say, "I love God," and Hateth his brother. You ready for this? He is a what, church? Liar. I didn't say that. God said it. Amen? You know what? I meet a lot of people all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, this word Christian nowadays, it doesn't really mean what the Bible defines it to be. Everybody's a Christian. Seems that way. All right? Everybody wants to, you know, talk about, you know, oh, of course I love Jesus. Well, you know what? Talk's cheap. Big deal. Okay, now again, I can't read anybody's heart. I don't claim all I have is someone's testimony, but the Bible does say, by their fruits you shall know them. Amen? And you know, again, here's what I always say, is the Jesus, you supposedly love the Jesus of the Bible. Because there's many Antichrist out there, and I know the Bible uses the term antichrist, but it means the same thing, anti-Jesus, opposite of what the Bible says he is. How do you know you got the real Jesus? Well, here's, what, here's how you know, because you know what, you'll have a love for the brethren. You can't, you can't love God and hate the brethren. Impossible. You know why it's impossible? Because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. Amen? Now, I'm not saying you may not struggle with things. I'm not saying there may not have been times of these emotions and, 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 and hatred that may come in your heart. But listen, you can't live a lifestyle of that and still love God at the same time. It's impossible. For what it says, For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, think about this, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? It's like you're telling me you can't love a person that you literally can see and, and, and physically experience with your senses, but you're going to love someone who you can not experience with your physical senses. Uh, senses not going to happen. It's impossible. Amen? And so this idea of hatred, it's a big deal. It's impossible to love God and hate your brother. Amen? And, and now you know what? As a Christian, sometimes you've got to deal with that. Now, I'm not saying... That at times as Christians, uh, we fall into the sin of hatred. You don't lose your salvation. But I'll just tell you this. If you have hatred in your heart towards somebody, your relationship is not right with God. I can tell you that 100% true. Amen? You don't love God the way you ought to love God if you have hate in your heart toward a brother. Amen? By the way, you know what that means? It means that uh, uh, as much as we're to love God, we all sort of hate the things God hates. You know, listen, hatred is an emotion, is is something God gave us. By the way, God hates things. It's not wrong to hate, it's just wrong to have your hatred toward the wrong things. Right? I mean, come on, folks, I don't have any time to take you there. But you know how many times or places the Bible defines for us the things God hates? God hates pride. God hates arrogance. God hates evil. God hates false ways. Amen? He hates those things. Now, He does love people. And and the hardest thing for us to do, and you cannot do it apart from being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's impossible, is to do this, hate the sin but love the sinner. That's a God attribute. God does that, amen? He hates the sin but He loves the sinner. He hated the sin so much, He was willing to send Jesus to pay the price that He had to pay. He hated sin so much that He turned His back on His very own Son and literally Jesus Christ didn't just pay for sin, became sin for us. That's what the Scripture says. That's how much God hates sin. Okay? And so you know what? I think we ought to be having that attitude towards sin. Amen? And understanding what sin really does and and, and the damage that it really causes. But yet, on the other hand, love the sinner. Let's look at a couple passages and we'll be done. Go to Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus back to the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 19. Alright. I like your near pages turn. That's good. Amen. All right. Look at verse um, verse 17. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17. Direct command. Old and New Testament alike. It's all throughout the scripture. Notice what he says. Thou shalt not. Now that may not be part of the Ten Commandments, but it's just as important. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not what? Hate thy brother and thine where? Heart. Thou shalt in Anywise, rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Okay? You know what he's saying? Listen, do not hate somebody inside. Okay? And notice what he says Thou shalt in any wise, rebuke thy neighbor. You know what that means? It means this. If you have a problem with somebody, again, it's all through the scripture, go talk to them. That's what he's saying. Don't carry that hatred in your heart. If there's a problem, go. Work it out, is what he's saying. Okay? And don't have hatred in your heart. Because I'm going to tell you, what hatred Hatred will fester into things? I mean, come on, folks. I cannot believe the stories I'm reading about people doing the most horrific things to other people. I'm going to tell you, folks. You know what that's called? That's called demonic. I mean, the closer we're to the end of this thing, and we're close, I'm going to tell you the forces of evil are unleashed upon this planet. And people have opened themselves up to the influence of evil. Now, I'm not saying... The devil makes people do stuff. But they sure are influenced to do things. And they take their free will. I mean, just a horrific thing. I think we just read uh, last night uh, about a woman and and her older teenage son killing the the younger children. What is wrong with people, folks? Okay? I mean, I'm going to tell you, that's not natural. That's not normal. Okay? But somewhere along the lines, I can tell you this, some doors got opened somewhere. I'm going to tell you right now, you've got to be so careful about the doors we open in our life. I'm going to tell you, there are thousands, millions, who knows how many number of unclean spirits waiting to come in through the doors. And I'm not talking about demon possession, but I'm talking about demonic influence. And you've got to be so careful keeping those doors closed in your life. Amen? But hatred leads to those types of things. Alright, let's go to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. A couple more places and we'll close this up tonight. Look here, if you will, in verse 12. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Man, this is a good verse of contrast. Notice what he says. Hatred stirreth up strifes. Right? Listen, you know what he's saying? Again, hatred, all it does is stirs the pot. Always keeping the pot stirred. Always keeping turmoil going. By the way, you ought to ask yourself some questions. If you're in your life or always involved in strifes, I'm going to tell you, there's hatred in there somewhere. You need to figure that out. You need to deal with that. You need to get before the throne of God and ask the Holy Spirit of God to search your heart and try your heart and see why there's always strife in your life. Amen. And by the way, I'll just tell you this. If you're, if there's always strife going on, or I can guarantee it's not a hundred zero with the person you're at strife with. Guarantee it's not true, hundred percent not true. It's never a hundred zero. Amen. There's always something somebody stirring the pot. All right, but notice the contrast of that verse. Man, I love this, this part. What it says here, but but love covereth all sins. Love covereth all sins. I mean, come on. Do do we love? I mean, do we love our spouses? Okay. Do we? That that why are we? I mean, again, the devil's so deceptive sometimes. How he creeps in. And I mean, some of the craziest uh, uh, violence toward people, a spouse against spouse. I mean, literally, I mean, you know, I mean, you've heard these stupid stories before, these news stories, these horrific stories of of spouses conspiring and to kill their spouse. What in the world? Listen to me, folks. Uh, Love is the opposite of that. Love covereth all sins. Look at verse 18, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18. Notice here, he that "...hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool." Think about that, what it's saying here. Hiding hatred with lying lips. So that means this. Instead of being honest and going to someone and telling them the truth, oh, no, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm okay. You know what you're doing? You're lying. You're not okay. you got something wrong inside that needs to be fixed. You know what? If you hate that, or I'm sorry, if you hide it, the Bible says, with lying lips... You know what the Bible says you are? God says it, not me, a fool. A fool, amen? Listen, God never intended for you to carry that stuff in your heart. Never, never, never. It's like a poison, okay? It's like, uh, I don't know that they probably use it much anymore, but uh, nitroglycerin. I mean, that stuff is so potent. You put that in the wrong container, there's going to be bad things going on. That's what, like hatred and bitterness and strife and envy, it's putting stuff in your heart that will eat you from the inside out. So, listen, deal with it the proper way. By the way, don't lie to God about it. Don't lie to yourself about it. Amen. Get it out. Confess it. Get it right. Amen. That's how God wants for us to live. One more verse, we're done. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. look at uh, verse 15, 1 John 3, verse 15. Now, we thought the last verse about hating your brother was strong, okay? God is is one, two, and knockout punching right here, okay? But back it up to verse 14, okay? Then we'll look at verse 15. We know that we have passed from death unto life, okay? By the way, talking about uh, eternal security, if if you you ever struggle with eternal security, read the book of 1 John. I forget the number. I I used to know the number. But how many times the word know is used in the book of 1 John? It's scores of times. That God has written to us that we may know that we have eternal life. Okay? So, here is a way you can know. Okay? It's an evidence of your salvation is what he's saying. We know we have passed from death into life. Why? Because we love the brethren. That's why. It's a fruit of your salvation. Now, it's not for your salvation, it's because of your salvation. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Listen, if you do not have love toward Christian brothers, and by the way, folks, you know whether you have that or not. I'm not saying you don't struggle from time to time with people, okay? Listen, we all struggle with people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there's a genuine, there's not a genuine love for the brethren in your heart. Listen to me, you need to get some things straightened out. Amen? Because the Bible says, He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Then look at the next verse. Wow. Whosoever hateth his brother, you ready for this, is a what? Murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Boom! Man, that's the Holy Spirit dropping the whammer on us right there. Amen? I mean, come on, folks. It is a big deal. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there is not this internal hatred and the Holy Spirit living in the same place. Ain't true. Does not happen. Do not coexist. Okay? And he goes so far to say that if you have hatred in your heart, in God's eyes, you know what you are? Murderer. You know why? Because guess what the next couple steps down the road of hatred is? Murder. Cain, Abel, right? I mean, come on, folks. It's not that far of a stretch to leap from hatred to murder. Just like Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you commit or look at a woman with you commit adultery in your heart. Lust, the next step's adultery. God says you're committed in your heart. Amen? And so all that to say, listen to me, hatred's a big deal. Okay? And so, uh, again, I'm not the Holy Spirit. We have a Holy Spirit. He's the one that does the working. I'm just the messenger tonight. Amen? And so let, let God work on you about, about some of this. I know we're not going to have an invitation time tonight because we don't normally on Thursdays, but take these truths. Let the Holy Spirit make application, okay? And if you need to get some things right, get some things right. And listen to me. I'm not saying that if you've had hatred towards somebody, all right, you know, you you felt that emotion of hatred, maybe you've even acted on it some, that you're not saved. I'm not saying that. But I, I think I've proven to you tonight that that does not come from God. It's a work of the flesh. And by the way, think about this for a minute, okay? participating in a sin, all right, and being given into a sinful lifestyle are two different things, okay? And, and, and again, I don't, I'm not trying to confuse you here by, by you thinking, oh, man, I've, I've, I've said I've hated somebody before. Then I'm not saved. That's not what I'm saying. But you know what I'm talking about, whether or not hatred dwells inside of you, okay, or if it's just maybe a sin you've partaken of before. But all that to say... Listen, folks, let the Holy Spirit make application. If there's some things we need to deal with, let's take some time and deal with them sometime before the Lord. Amen. Let's pray.